The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for this podcast, and my husband, Steve Siegel, is the producer of the podcast. Today's episode is episode number 323, and just a reminder to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you give us a five-star rating, then when people are searching for help with addiction, our podcast will come up. So if you could do that, that would be most appreciated. Please also subscribe to our YouTube channel and give our videos a thumbs up for the same reason so that people can find us. Google, Google likes it when you do the thumbs up. So today we have a very interesting interview with a gentleman who used to work for the Drug Enforcement Administration. His name is Derek Maltz, and he was the special agent in charge of the United States Department of Justice Special Operations Division for almost 10 years before he left the federal government. He also oversaw the operations of approximately 500 special operations personnel and was responsible for an annual budget of $100 million. He established the Counter-Narco-Terrorism Operations Center in January 2007. And since its establishment, the is called CNTOC. The CNTOC successfully coordinated several significant narco-terrorism operations, including the identification of the Lebanese Canadian Bank as a facilitator involved with an international trade-based money laundering scheme supporting Hezbollah and a subsequent U.S. Treasury Patriot Act 311 action. This unprecedented event ultimately led to a $150 million seizure as part of the Hezbollah Drug and Money Laundering Initiative named Project Cassandra. So, wow. And Mr. Maltz has appeared on Fox News to talk about these things, which is pretty cool. Um, he received the Presidential Rank Award for his accomplishments. He was also the recipient of numerous other prestigious awards for his accomplishment throughout his law enforcement career. And he has an extensive law enforcement network around the world. Mr. Maltz has been a spokesperson at Congress and on national media networks on a variety of national security topics. So he obviously knows a lot about drugs and what's happening in this country. So we are going to talk to Derek Maltz. Derek S. Maltz, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and being willing to talk to us because I know you are a busy man. Thank you, Joni. It's very uh, encouraging that you guys are hosting this podcast and trying to spread the uh, the knowledge to people in America because this is a very deadly crisis and we all need to work together to you know, resolve some of the issues. You are absolutely correct. Derek, can you share a little bit of like your background, like how you ended up in, at the DOJ and the DEA? How did you end up there? What, what was your career path and where did you grow up? So it's real uh, simple. Like I grew up in a house where my father was a dedicated public servant, worked in the DEA for 30 years. My brother was in the United States Air Force. Unfortunately, he died in 2003 in Afghanistan. But my father kind of encouraged me out of college. I went to Syracuse University, got into the DEA right out of college in 1986. I spent 28 years in the DEA, uh, worked my way up the ranks, and ultimately I was uh, you know, promoted to the senior executive service and became the head of the DEA Special Operations Division. 
located in Northern Virginia, Synchronization Center with 30 different agencies, the three countries, NYPD, law enforcement, Department of Defense, intelligence community to go after some of the biggest uh, transnational threats in the world. Wow. Wow. I mean, you really, you really got yourself in the thick of it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Very uh, rewarding career. Public service is in my DNA. And I still fight every day. I work with families around America. I work with uh, the grieving families that have lost loved ones to fentanyl poisoning. And I help their nonprofit groups. I help to get them awareness on national TV. Um, next week, I'm testifying at Congress uh, at a hearing about fentanyl. So I will continue to support those families that are in desperate need of help. I think that's great. And it's so it's so very much needed. And the fact that you have enough um, altitude, if you will, to get in front of Congress and talk about these things is huge because it's all well and good for us to have people on the podcast who point out that fentanyl, the whole fentanyl thing really is poisoning. It's not even overdoses anymore. It's It's kids trying one pill just because they want to try it and it's fentanyl and they die. And you know, to get the powers that be to listen, you have a lot of clout there. So, well, look, it's easy to get them to listen, but I'm looking for action because I'm about action and results, accountability. And all government leaders should be accepting accountability when we're losing historic amounts of young Americans and our future generation is being poisoned from these substances that are made in these dirty labs in Mexico and how the cartels are working with the Chinese transnational criminals now to actually destabilize our country as a national security threat. So they all should be not only listening, but acting. And what would you have them do? What, what action would you have them be taking? Joni, so first of all, before we get into the serious action, we have to educate our kids. Right now, the fastest growing death rates in America from fentanyl poisoning is for kids under 14. Oh, my God. Kids from 14 to 19, you know, they're getting on the uh, social media sites. They're ordering up, like you said, one pill. It's being delivered to their houses like a pizza delivery, and they're dying, and their parents really don't know anything about fentanyl. The problem we have right now, it's it's complex because we we have a uh, army of families around America that are doing the public awareness campaigns, going into schools, putting up billboards, you know, establishing nonprofits because the government is failing in the most fundamental duty is to protect Americans from this poisonous substance. And they're not educating the country like they should be. So you have to get into the middle schools. You have to teach these kids mandatory education. This is not the drug crisis from Nancy Reagan days. This is the poisoning of our future generation. It's something we've never had in the history of the country. So there's no sense of urgency. So that's number one. Number two, I would personally, and I've been trying to do this and I failed. I want to recruit professional athletes, social media influencers, role models, and people that the kids are watching on social media. The kids are not watching podcasts. They're not watching uh, congressional testimony. They're not watching mainstream media. They're not watching cable news, but they are watching social media videos all day long. So if our popular athletes and celebrities and role models started learning about what's going on. This is not a typical drug crisis. Uh, then maybe we could get into the minds of these kids. So it's really, really an uphill battle. But 
from the demand side, obviously we have a very addicted population. And I feel my heart goes out to these people because there's a lot of mental illness. There's a lack of resources. There's a lack of attention. And it's the stigma, right? We all have potential to go off the deep end with a mental illness. That's the bottom line. And in this country, in a post 9-11 world, in a post-COVID world, with the social isolation, depression, anxiety, you know, family issues, financial issues, right now, you know, anybody's vulnerable. And these young kids, their brains are like sponges. So they sit there all day and they watch, you know, school shootings. They watch crime. They watch, you know, family divorces and deaths and stuff like that. So they're getting depressed. They may not talk about it, but they want to use medication to, to feel better. And you know what? Kids are supposed to learn from mistakes, not die from mistakes. We all yeah. made mistakes. So anyway, but on the supply side, we, we have reached a very critical uh, time in our, in our nation's history because we are doing a pretty good job in America at seizing mass amounts of deadly drugs. So between our Border Patrol, CBP, the DEA, the Homeland Security, and all our law enforcement agencies, we're seizing record levels of drugs. But the deaths continue to go up, and we're not going to be able to seize our way out of this business. We mm. have to shut down the supply in Mexico, and we have to start treating the Mexican cartels as global terrorists because that's what they are. They are killing more Americans than any terrorist in the history of this country. Al-Qaeda, Hezbollah, uh, you know, ISIS, they have never killed this many Americans. So we have to start stepping up the game and we have to hold our leaders accountable. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. I, I can't, can't agree more. Do you find when you go and you talk to uh, people in Washington, is it is it considered a political issue? It's definitely not. But I wonder sometimes if the whole controversy about the border, and we're not a political podcast, yeah. but it's like if we get into the whole controversy about the border, then this side's going to look wrong and this side doesn't want to look wrong. So right. nobody wants to admit and nobody wants to take responsibility for the situation. Tony, that was 100% correct. And that's why I came up with a saying early on when I started helping the families to basically make it clear. This is not a red or a blue issue. It's a red, white, and blue issue. All Americans are impacted. All Americans have to unite. And we have to put the politics aside. But unfortunately, everything in this country is so political. And there's a reason why the current administration is not talking a lot about the fentanyl crisis, or they haven't been talking a lot about it because of two issues, China and the Southwest border. Okay. Because those are two issues that are very difficult for the current administration to talk about. And so we could go on all day talking about that, but like, I would prefer that we try to figure out like, what can we do to make things better? 
because there's plenty of blame to go around. I mean, I followed this from my job when I was the head of the Special Operations Division. I was there from 2005, 2014. So the fentanyl poisoning of America started around 10 years ago, and it was coming from China directly into America in the internet uh, services through the mail. Right. And a lot of people were ordering up, you know, pure fentanyl analogs from the internet. They had no idea what they were doing, and they were mixing it with heroin and other drugs early on. And then, you know, over time, the cartels started getting a direct pipeline of, you know, pure fentanyl analogs. But then they also started getting the precursor chemicals to make the fentanyl in labs in Mexico. And that's where we're at now. The reason yeah. it's getting worse is because the cartels are now the main player in developing, you know, the manufacturing and the importation and distribution of these poisonous fake pills and all the fentanyl substances, right? So the cartels have a wide open network throughout America in every city to distribute drugs. Now they're distributing their poison. Yeah. So it's it's much easier now for them to move stuff around, especially when we have a wide open border as well. Wow. Wow. I, it sounds like you need to go back and work for the DEA again and do some more special operations, Derek. I'm just well, saying. That's uh, that's something more exciting than sitting here uh, talking all day about this stuff. I want to see some action and results. And, and I really want to help save lives. That's what I'm trying to do. And I think it's huge. And I think that someone with your background and with your experience calling for that is going to make a difference. I mean, if I'm a parent and I've lost a child because they were po poisoned by fentanyl. Yeah, I can be pretty loud and I can be pretty obnoxious, but I think um, I'm not you. Well, I'll tell you, it's funny you say that because when I first started my awareness campaign, I was getting a lot of uh, opportunities to speak in national news media. And one of my goals early on was to do less talking and get more families to tell their story because their stories were way more impactful to the average Americans. Yeah. So I was successful in that because I've since had many, many mothers and fathers on national news. I've uh, connected them to congressional committees. Some of them have testified. Uh, one of the moms will be testifying in uh, the upcoming hearing that I'll be at. Uh, I've had them go out, uh, you know, and do stuff with like, uh, you know, different think tanks in Washington, different educational events for law enforcement. So that's very rewarding because they are putting their grief into action. And it's very courageous of them to actually, you know, move forward after losing a 13-year-old child to fentanyl poisoning. Uh, many of them that had never heard of fentanyl before. Right. So right. it's very, very um, inspiring to me to see these moms and dads and brothers and sisters and grandmas and grandpas running around the country trying to spread awareness to save lives. So yep. if I can help them with my platform and my network, that's like the best thing I could do right now at this stage of my life. That's awesome. And and we're doing that as well. We have a couple of the parents that are going to be on the podcast in short order. And yeah. When are these hearings that you were just talking about? So the hearing that I will be uh, participating in is next uh, March 1st at okay. 9 a.m. It's uh, in front of the House Judiciary Committee, but it's a subcommittee on crime and, and federal government surveillance. Uh, Andy Biggs is the chairman, and they will be having this hearing because they're basically saying that, you know, uh, it's no longer acceptable, the lack of action, right? right? So inaction is no longer acceptable. We have to get a plan. We have to hold people accountable. 
So we'll see what they do. Uh, it's a good group of Americans that I, I've already, I testified two years ago uh, with the same committee. You know, there's different chairman, you know, they switched, you know, prior, you know, they, they switched, you know, the Republicans lead the committee now. But um, I look forward to it because um, I feel like there is definitely more will now to do something. So, so let me just tell you, this is something just to put it in perspective. So last week, the drug czar and uh, others testified at a Senate hearing, including the DEA administrator. So just to give you a couple of quotes, I just want to put this in perspective. So drug czar Gupta said at the Senate hearing on February 15th that we're dealing with the worst drug crisis we've ever seen. It's unacceptable to me and the president. It's a direct threat to the public's health and the national security of the country. It's a new era of drug trafficking, okay? And there's no excuse for inaction for the Chinese not to engage. Now, the DEA administrator made it clear that the Mexican government is could do more. They're not doing enough. They're not sharing intelligence on the, the chemical seizures. They're not going after the labs. They're not extraditing these major targets like they should be. So... There's enough information there to, to at least want to believe that the government's going to start pushing a little bit harder. Like the DEA, as an example, announced that last year they seized 57 million fake pills with their partners in America, 13,000 pounds or more of fentanyl, which actually totals to 410 million deadly dosage units, just DEA reporting alone. Then wow. if you look at what CBP on the border is 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 seized. They seized over fourteen point seven thousand pounds of fentanyl last year. Mm. So we're talking about literally a weapon of mass destruction that's now being made in Mexico, pushed into America, and killing American kids. So we have to keep it simple, but we have to come up with solutions that are viable so we can save some lives. So right now, I have a little bit of optimism, but I'm afraid that politics will take over as it always does. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com, or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or call us at 727 314 7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Mm, I I understand. It's got to be super frustrating. Yes. Are you um you mentioned wanting to get a hold of like celebrities and sports figures on who are big on social media. Is that something that you're actively working on? Is that I've going... been trying to do that. I can't tell you how long. I, I'll tell you a quick story. So I, I got on a Dr. Phil podcast and Dr. Phil show a couple, of, a couple of episodes and I met him, became pretty friendly with him. And I think I educated him big time. As a matter of fact, at one point he said that he felt he was letting down millions of listeners and viewers because he didn't have any idea the extent of this problem. When I was filming out there for one of the shows, it was that week that the girl in uh, a Hollywood high school dropped dead in the bathroom and it kind of was shaking up the whole community. Well, Dr. Phil told me, he said, look, I'm going to use my my status and my friendships and dig into the networks of people that you're looking for to try to help you. So I have some optimism that he's going to do the right thing. Uh, he invited me back to another show. 
But I also, uh, thanks to Lisa Dean, who runs Demand Zero up in Connecticut, her uh, son, Joe Dean, died at 23 years old. And he played high school football with a guy named Jack Driscoll, who's now on the Philadelphia Eagles. And Jack Driscoll actually did some uh, public awareness announcements with his cleats, the Nike commercials. Uh, and he actually, you know, put Demand Zero on the cleats and he explained, you know, to the to the public why he was doing that because his friend died of fentanyl. But but that's not good enough. Right. Right. So so there's other professional athletes that I personally have reached out to through their sports agents and stuff like that, trying to get them on board. But unfortunately, Joni, here's the problem. It's too political. The NFL, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, they don't want any part of this because they think it's just your typical drug crisis. And the stigma of the drug crisis in smoking marijuana, they don't want to bring the negative attention on them. And also, I hate to be political here, but their relationship with the Chinese and in the, in the billions of dollars they make with the Chinese. So it's really sad. Because my understanding is that this Jack Driscoll wanted to be, you know, more involved on national TV and stuff and was told he couldn't do it. Wow. And so, so yeah, so it's hard for me to accept that if I'm a professional athlete or a celebrity or role model, why wouldn't I want to save American kids' lives? Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Doesn't make sense, right? No. So it it makes sense why I wouldn't want to get involved in a campaign to stop smoking pot, let's say, okay? But even pot right now today is not the pot from the 70s and the 80s. This has this very high pure THC. It's causing psychosis, anxiety, all types of illnesses, mental illness, which unfortunately, Joni, then that kid who smokes a joint goes and takes what he thinks is a Xanax pill and he dies. Yep. So obviously I'm preaching to the choir with you. You understand this, but the public doesn't really understand that. They don't. And I appreciate everything that you do when you get on the news and you talk about this situation. Um, it, it's, it, it's criminal. And to think that someone who has the ability to make a difference, like a professional sports figure or celebrity and won't do it because of the stigma attached is it it's head in the sand. I would be willing to say, and I can't prove this, obviously, but knowing like some of these athletes on how they operate, how they think, like, let's just take Tom Brady as an example, or LeBron James. Let's take those two guys, two of the biggest athletes in the world. If somebody had the opportunity to explain to them what's going on today, there is no doubt in my mind that both of them would lead an effort to actually make a difference in this country. In, in one day, they can make more of a difference than a guy like me can make in 10 years. Yep. Okay? Yep. And that's what I'm hoping for. But unfortunately, I need help because I don't yeah. have the direct connection to these guys. Yep. Understood. Understood. We think we, we might be able to help you. We're going to talk to you more about that when we get off the air. But we think we might have some ways to help you with that because I, I agree with you that you know, Tom Brady saying one thing about educate your kids, fentanyl's coming across the border. You need to so, know what it is you're taking when you take a pill. Just that, you know? Yeah. So I say all the time to people, one of the first things I recommend to families is that all, all you need to do is spend 20 minutes with your kids and watch the documentary Dead on Arrival. Okay. If you watch Dead on Arrival, you will see real families in America that have lost their kids. And it will scare the heck out of you. 
and your kids will be actually frightened. It's the best, most impactful documentary that I've watched. And it's only 20 minutes, so there's no excuse, right? Yep. When you look at, just for an example, in San Diego, 2,375% increase in fentanyl-related deaths in the five-year period, 16 through 21, okay? 2016 through 2021. Think about that. There was recent statistics out in California, 2,200% fentanyl-related deaths in California in the same time frame. We have now in King County, uh, Seattle, for example, recently the medical examiner's office is re re reporting uh, there was so many deaths in the first 21 days. I think it was 35 deaths in 21 days, the first 21 days, that they, they didn't even have enough space in the morgue for the oh, dead no. bodies, okay? If you look at some of the mass poisonings that are going around the country, and I follow this stuff closely, and I can tell you, I could go on all day, and if you go on the news and you go and research, you'll see. There is like, for an example, just February 8th in New Haven, they were reporting 12 uh, fatal deaths, fatal overdoses in two weeks alone. In California, in February 7th, there were three dead. There was, and I, when I say mass poisonings, I mean at the same location around the same time. I don't mean scattered everywhere, right? Right. right. When you look at, like, for example, I told you about the King County, San Francisco Christmas Day, six poisonings, right? They're rushed to the hospital. We have people in bars, like in Chicago, there were four or five of them last month. They just pass out. Onondaga mm. County, upstate New York, there were 25 poisonings in a 24-hour period in January. Before Christmas, there were 14 poisonings in a day and a half. So wow. I could go on all day, yeah. but it's something we've never seen in the history of the country. Mm. And thank God for Narcan, because if it wasn't for Narcan, the, the numbers would be triple or quadruple. Yep. Maybe more. Yep. So let me ask you a question, Derek. What yeah. would you tell our listeners to do? What do you want them to do on this? So Educate their kids. We got that. Right. Yeah. Well, first of all, watch Dead on Arrival with your kids, your grandkids, your nephews, your nieces. Just get educated. Go to the DEA website, uh, onepillcankill.gov. They have tremendous resources on the social media uh, aspects of what's going on today. Go to Song for Charlie out in California. Uh, you know. This is an unbelievable resource for anyone in America. Very, very uh, simple videos and statistics. Go read uh, Jim Rao is the, the founder of uh, Families Against Fentanyl out of Ohio. He's the one pushing for the weapon of mass destruction designation. But he has really interesting statistical information on the, the demographics of the deaths in America and some of the recent trends. Then go to Lost Voices of Fentanyl. It's a public group. I was when I first got involved with these uh, families. There was like six, seven hundred uh, members of the group. There's now like twenty four thousand. Yeah, it's an open group, and just go read somebody's stories and start getting educated. So there's a lot of stuff that families can do immediately with their kids. Wow. But the, the but the main message is that there is no such thing a, a, anymore as a, as experimenting with illicit drugs because even marijuana. There's many stories in America that there's been marijuana with some fentanyl sprinkled in it that yep. is killed. Yep. And, and and even, you know, people, obviously, you know, the West Point condensed when they were in Florida, in Miami on spring break, and five of them, it was breaking news, national news. They were poisoned. They went to the hospital. And that was back, you know, many months ago. But they, were, they thought they were sniffing cocaine. They were mm -hmm. going to have a good weekend, you know, spring break, you know, snorting cocaine. 
but it had fentanyl in it. Wow. So, but now, Joni, now one of the things uh, I'm, I'm supposed to be on a national news story this weekend is going to be on the xylazine, which is the animal tranquilizer that's being mixed in with the fentanyl that's eating people alive from inside their body. And by <sighs> the way, Narcan will not stop the impacts of xylazine because it's not a, it's not a uh, opioid. And so this is something that is happening all over the country. I was in Philadelphia uh, several months ago filming the street of Philadelphia, and a lot of these people are deliberately going to buy the fentanyl with the xylazine because it's a much better high. And, and so there's also another thing that the people need to realize is that the Chinese lab operators are now making more powerful opioids called nitazine, isonitazine, etonitazine. It's known as pyro on the street. That's now showing up in autopsies around America because in my personal and professional opinion, the Chinese are now actively engaged in poisoning this country, again, directly from China. It's a different product now, though, because they have the Mexican cartels doing the dirty work with the fentanyl. They're going to start with these other synthetic opioids. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's all about education. Yes. You've got to get educated and you need to get educated now before you lose a child. Yes. Yeah, so, Joni, I got a question for you real yeah. quick. So what do you think about this? What do you think about like how can we not see too many public service announcements on the news from the government? Like in the old days, you know, we had, you know, your, your brain is going to be fried like eggs if you take drugs. And it was some really impactful videos 30 second, 45 second. Here's, here's your brain. Here's your yeah. brain on drugs. You yeah. got it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I remember. So, so where are they now? So the families now, the most impactful video that I've seen was made by a family. Uh, it's an unbelievable video, but I don't see too many. I heard the drug sales office is going to start to do it. But once again, they're very behind. It's time. The, the time has passed, but do it now. Spend some money and educate the kids. Yeah, you know, I think unfortunately, Derek, you have to follow the money. And yes. when you look at uh, the pharmaceutical industry's hold yes. over a lot of the people in the government, yes, it's I about the that. money, and that's yeah. disgusting. Um, but we know from when we looked back at, you know, what happened with Purdue Pharma and the Sacklers and all of that. Okay, so but let me explain. Let me explain this real quick since you brought ah, it yes. up. So I know that your authors very well. I've helped them, and so we interviewed them on the podcast. Great. The corporate cartels, as I call them, started this madness with the 100 billion pills dumped into America with no accountability. Yep. And, Joni, here's what's sad. Hear me out for a second. When I was an agent in the uh, Quantico doing my training, one of the things that I remember vividly is that they always said that if you want to have an impact on a drug trafficking network, you have to take out the source of supply and you have to follow the money and take down the money, Right. Okay, and the assets. So the, the simple question is then how come every time the DEA got uh, built up evidence against some of the corporate American cartels, why did the Department of Justice shut down those investigations? I don't even have to answer that because I know you know the answer. Yep. And it's all about the money and it's yep. all about taking care of each other as our kids were dying at historic levels. And they started this forest fire that's now a nationwide, uh, you know, fire that we've never yep. seen. Yep. And at the same time that you don't see public service announcements about like the, you know, here's your mind and here's your mind on drugs. Every other, every other ad and commercial on TV is for a drug. 
some sort right. of drug. Right. Exactly. And again, that's the money. That's right. You know, that's how that all got. Exactly. Okay. Very sad. Derek, thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for fighting the good fight and getting out there and putting it all on the line. And I appreciate everything you do. Well, thank you for what you guys are doing because it's very important. Anything we could do to spread awareness is kind of like what my goal is. And so thank you for the invite. Uh, and I appreciate what you're doing. So keep it up. Thank you. And we're going to figure out how to help you. I don't know exactly yet, but I know we're going to talk about it. So we'll talk about that now. Thank you again. Thank you and have a great day. You too. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, Derek is definitely a kick butt, take no names, and it's got to get done and it has to get handled. And he's not going to stop until there are major changes happening in this whole area of fentanyl poisoning of our children. And um, he talked about a couple different things. The the uh, documentary he talked about was called Dead on Arrival. I'm not sure exactly where you can find that. Um, okay, I just looked and it looks like it's on Prime Video. It's called Dead on Arrival. And it sounds as if it's a great education to, tool for all of us. So watch it, learn, spread the word. And if you can think of ways that you can help Derek in his passion, reach out to us. We can put you in touch with him. Have a good week. We'll be back again with another podcast. You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com. <laughs>